I never told no one that My whole life I've been holding back Every time I load my gun up So I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like Who do you think you are? You know what? I gotta say Maybe I am a little biased I do love this song Now my next guest Grandpa Jeffries He goes to show you You're never too old And it's never too late To do what you've always wanted One of the best selling books Out there A children's story I don't want to turn three Grandpa Jeffs Jeffrey Guess what I can relate I don't want to turn 50. I'm turning 50 in July, and it's almost there. He's also written a book called The Secrets of Retailing, or How to Beat Walmart. There's so much to learn. One thing, though, that I got to say, I got to apologize. This episode was actually taped sometime last year. The beginning, the beginning phase when I was just starting out. And Neo fight, but it goes to show you, if you listen to past episodes, to this one, the tremendous growth. There's a lot of hemming, there's a lot of hawing, there's a lot of me saying and all that. So many people said it should have been a game, a drinking game, but you know what? Maybe this episode has and all that, but not anymore. Just be aware of what's putting you down. Be aware of your faults and just work on it. But I gotta tell you, if you need help, if you need someone out there I can help you out. Condensed time. I was an entrepreneur for over 20 years. I know what it's like when that register only has $200. I know what it's like bleeding out on a monthly scale. I know what it's like. I feel it. Been there. I won't go chasing you like you're a checking account. I'm here to help. And if you want to have a quick five-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute, just book it. I'm not here to sell you timeshare. I'm here to save you time because there's nothing more valuable than spending time with your loved ones while making a profit. Increase sales, increase the bottom line, create culture. There's so much I can do. But listen to Grandpa Jeffrey. Gramps Jeffrey, you're never too old. Love yourself. Ask yourself better questions, just like with the book, just like with the podcast always says, what if it did work? Hey, by the way, you can also always buy the Vacation CEO out there on Amazon too. Two bestsellers, not bad for a kid from Westchester, an introvert. I guess I do ask better questions. Love yourself. I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold. Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? I knew I needed help. I had no self Another day, another dollar. And you know what? I'm super stoked. I'm super excited. It's a Wednesday or whatever day you decide to hear this episode of What If It Did Work? And I got to say, this is a first for me. I actually found you through LinkedIn. Now, now some people use social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, whatnot, to, to cyberstalk. But I, I don't know. Did you find me or did I find you? I, 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 I think I found you. And I, I, was, I, was, I was looking and I thought you had a very interesting podcast. So I thought this would be a good match. Well, you see, you know, it's always a no until you ask. I, I literally thought I was I was the one pursuing you and asking you, but you're right. You, but but once I saw this, 
without further ado, I'm going to introduce you as Gramps. Not my grandpa. He's still alive at, at, at 96, but you're Gramps. And I, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience and give us a little bit about yourself. No problem. My name is Gramps Jeffrey, and I wrote the book, I Don't Want to Turn Three. Uh, I got to tell you, living this past year in the middle of a pandemic caused by uh, this COVID-19, all this isolation that we've, we've all had to go through, except for being able to be with family, you know, gave me a chance to really watch and interact with my uh, my six grandkids. And I got to tell you what a trip that is, because all six of them have completely different kinds of personalities. And the one thing they do have in common is the sense of curiosity. And that's what this book is based on. It's based on, it's a true story based on these six grandkids. Uh, and the, the Jordan was in the process of turning from two to three. And so that's my story. So when it comes to, to books, was that always one of your lifelong pursuits to write a, a children's book? Or was this just something that inspired you during our lockdown? The current, well, we're still at Corona days, but you know, at at the peak, I guess, of the pandemic. Yeah, the, the the children's book really was inspired by the lockdown, you know, and, and it's based on you know, what age do we take responsibility for our actions? Is it three years old? Is it thirteen years old? Is it twenty three? I mean, I'm a baby boomer, and I got plenty of guys my age, sixty three, that still don't take uh, responsibility for their actions. So that's basically what the the book was based on. You know what? That's that. That's something. If if we could get little children to learn that valuable lesson instead of learning how to square dance or some of the goofy stuff that we we teach kids in in the public school system, because at, I mean you're you're a boomer and I'm I'm a generation Xer and I I know plenty of people that that are my age that you know they blame everything victim victim victim. It's my circumstances. Oh my gosh. Zero accountability. Oh, I'm in this horrible relationship. It's the other person's fault. I'm in debt. It's the other person's fault. Because it's so much harder to say, hey, it's not all about luck. You, I, everybody, we are here right now at this moment based on every decision we made. Whether it was a great decision, whether it was an unsound decision, it is what it is. But it's easier to, to point fingers and say it's that person. Or why me, you know, victim. I'll never forget. Remember, Nancy, why me, why me, why me? Because it's always easier instead of just sitting back because we've all been there. We we don't start off this journey of being who we are right now, you and I. We've all known how to play victim because it's it's the easiest approach, right? To point a finger and go, yeah, it's that other person. Or, you know, or, or circumstances. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. What what goes through a toddler's mind? And that's what we're talking about. This is the beginning. You know, toddlers is the first ones where they can kind of understand. You know, what goes through their mind that parents so desperately need to understand. When does a toddler really understand the difference between me and us? And that's that's where it all begins. And so that's the uh, the beginning of this book is what's the difference between me and us? You know, when you think about it, you know, as a baby boomer. I, I'm trying to understand the world, how it has evolved since I, I was three years old, you know, and it's also part of this story of how, how it has evolved between now and, and then, you know, my parents didn't have any cell phones. You know, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. You know, and so that's the way, that's the world I grew up in. 
you know, and, and, and so different, you know, discipline was so much different back then than it is today. You know, it, it, is today's world made it better for children to grow up in? I'll let your listeners kind of answer that, that question. And as you compare how you were treated as a kid is how we're treating these kids today. No, for me, heck, I'm 48. I, I was my, my mother's remote control. Uh, there was there was no even Fox. It was a you know the three networks and PBS. If you wanted to fall asleep watching PBS public broadcasting, and yeah, I I I can't imagine what kids, especially a toddler, especially somebody that's let's say they're in second grade, they haven't had a normal school year. Here here I am. I, I slept through kindergarten through. 12 and then my bachelor's at LSU and then my master's at UM. But there was no, oh my gosh, no, no social distancing. I mean, women possibly social distance themselves for me back then. <laughs> they're, they're preparing for Corona, but you know what I mean? It, it wasn't like, and, and when we went to school, there was no, uh, well, let, let's do gun safety, active shooter. There was no active shooter or anything. If somebody didn't like somebody, you know, meet at the pl- meet, meet somewhere in the school and, and let's duke it out. So I, yes, I applaud kids for having to pivot so much in their lives and, and so much. Yes. Technology has made things easier, but in other aspects, it, it's really, it, it's funny because I remember growing up that, that the boomers thought we were jaded, the Gen Xers and, you know, we're, we're closer and everything, the only difference between a Gen Xer and a Boomer is that we we were just too lazy to protest anything. So my generation was, it is what it is. That, that's why, you know, people my age, where we saw, we saw all those, anybody protesting an election, protesting anything, you know, people born, I think, 67 through 80 or whatever, were like, what the hell are they doing? That, that's not us. You accept it. You work hard. You move on. But yeah, no. To me, I, I remember the the lockdown prevented my oldest for graduating middle school and missing, you know, the, the the formalities. And I couldn't, with a bold face, say, "Hey, suck it up," because I I couldn't relate. I had my junior high. I'm that old. Graduation. I had my high school graduation. So all these people that they missed out on on the simple things that we took for granted. Yeah, they have technology. They could watch Ozark season four, or they can download whatever, or they they can do a term paper like that. But yet, we haven't had those experiences. We haven't had active shooters. We haven't had terrorist attacks. We haven't had pandemics. We haven't had. So for a toddler, especially now, well, I I can't have kids. no, I, I I had a vasectomy. I, I spoke about it with another one of one of the other episodes. So there's not that. Oh my gosh, here's your your new kid. But I I couldn't imagine raising a toddler right now through through all this or or trying to get them to wear a mask or telling them that everything's going to be okay or you know this is dirty and all that. I I, tip, I I I believe it or not they're they're more resilient. Kids, the younger generation than us. 
I think that this generation coming up, you know, one from zero to one, 10 years old is the greatest generation this country has ever produced. Because first of all, start with all the electronics and the internet and the phones, how, the, how quickly they learn, how early they learn. Now, but it's up to us, the older generation, to bring back and add to what they're learning, you know, through the through, through all this electronic stuff that makes them smarter than we ever were. You know, in, in today's world, you know, families are different than when I was growing up. You know, when I was growing up, my uncle was up the street and my grandmother was a couple blocks away. And, you know, we were all a big family. Today's world, we're scattered all over the country. You know, using me as an example, you know, I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I got a couple of the grandkids here with one of, the, one of my daughters. But I've got another two in Austin, Texas. I got another two in Orlando, Florida. You know, we are scattered. So we have got to make an effort, the older generation, your generation, my generation, to get more involved in these kids' lives because we are the ones that help round it out. They're they're going to learn what they're going to learn through the Internet, but we as a family have got to get involved. And in today's world, grandparents and and my baby boomer grandparents, a lot of them, they don't want to get involved with their kids growing up. You know, they said, I raised my kids and they, my, I raised a good job and my kids, they'll take care of the kids. I got my own things to do. Well, based on everything you just said, we've got to get back involved and be part of these kids' world to make sure that they are the greatest generation ever raised. It all, it all starts at home. It, I, I can't relate on families being everywhere. I, I was born and raised in Miami, the only four years I lived or was in Louisiana for school and an only child. And my ex-wife, Millie, she's an only child. We, we have two kids, so co-parenting. And it, we even had the difficulty when they started arguing. I, I mean, they don't argue as much anymore at 14 and 16. We're like, oh, my gosh, is this normal? Is this normal? But it, 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 I, I believe family is a big part. I, I missed out on, on Christmas this year because I had Omicron the second time having Corona. And, but to me, missing out on Christmas was no big deal. I, my, my mom lives 20 miles away. I see her quite often. My grandparents are still alive at 96 and 91. I see them often. So to me, it's always been, and we, we raise our daughters in the sense that you know, family, family's a lot. And, you know, it's not a burden, but also, you know, it can't be, hey, I'm only here to see you Thanksgiving and possibly next Christmas or you know, on leap year. But yeah, it, it's it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I I thought growing up I was different. My my parents divorced when I was born, or right before I was born, and you know, 70, 73. When I was in kindergarten, 79, or I, I'm bad at math, I'm liberal arts. And I felt I felt different being, you know, from divorced parents until I graduated. I was in high school. Then it was it was the norm. Fifty percent of the people I knew had had divorced parents. But I I hear you. I I hear you completely. That but I'm glad that you have that aspect of children because a lot of times especially Boomers are are arguing these days with Gen Zs. In fact, Gen Zs are bad at math. They think anybody older than thirty are boomers. 
You know, uh, the reason, the other reason that the grandparents have got to get involved with their little kids is, is because of this, this, you know, we're here today, gone tomorrow. With 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 all the death going on because of the COVID, you know, we're losing lots of our contemporaries. And so you have only have today. You got to take advantage of the day. I'll give you an example of something that, that I did with my grandkids. You know, during the COVID, they were all here for about six weeks. I had them all in one place before they had to go back home. And for some reason, these little kids, two, three, four, five years old, they love dinosaurs. I don't know why, but if you talk to any little kid today, they all tell you about dinosaurs. They can name all the dinosaurs. They can tell you whether they're meat eaters. I had one on the phone last night talking about this new dinosaur he got with it. It was a meat eater, what he ate, all that. You know, as far as I'm concerned, dinosaurs are, you know, uh, small, medium, large. But so what happened was, you know, when, when, when uh, they all went home to, to Texas and to Florida, how do we keep in contact with them because they're gone again? Because little kids don't call you. You're out of the loop. You're not part of the routine. So we came up with this program because we have six dinosaurs in the house that we started every night to put the dinosaurs someplace else in the house. So, for instance, we had the dinosaurs in the refrigerator eating blueberries one night. Another night they were at the sink washing dishes with grandma with soap on their nose. Another night they were playing the piano. Another night they were walking up the steps. And this went on for 50 different nights. So what we were able to do is become a part of the routine for these kids that don't live with us anymore. You know, the routine was take a bath, read a book, and then they would always say, you know, let's let's call see what the dinosaurs are doing tonight. So they would call on my wife's iPhone because she could do FaceTime, and they would say, they had asked for Gramps, 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 what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? And so that was our way of keeping in touch and influencing and being part of these kids' lives. And I'm sure your listeners can think of other ways to do it, but we've got to do this because, you know, we have got to be the role model that these kids you know, start to learn from, especially with them, you know, missing all the school that they're, they're going to, you know, and as role models, whether I'm the grandfather or I'm the father, you know, we got to, you know, we, we, they reflect what we do. So if we spend more time on screens, these kids are going to spend more time on screens. You know, if, if, if we don't communicate, these kids are not going to communicate. So it's just so important for all of us to be involved in raising these kids and, you know, reading books to them is, is one of the ways to do it. I, I agree with you completely. And I mean, it, it, it starts, it does start at home. I go out when, when I, I see people eating the family dinner at a restaurant or even young couples on a date and they're busy texting each other. How can you be completely engaged? Communication is key. Connection is key. Being engaged, being there, right there at the moment in any aspect. It's all about relationships. I don't care if it's on a business level. I don't care if it's on a personal level, but you have to be able to communicate. And if you're completely disengaged because you're watching highlights or you're watching YouTube or you're watching God knows what, or you're texting someone else, then you're not fully committed to being in that moment with your family, with your friends, with whomever it is that you're supposed to be spending time with. Yeah, I would encourage everyone to take the time to read books to these little kids. Again, whether they're one, two, three, four, five, or six, you know, if you think about the benefits of reading books to kids, 
as part of their maturation. The first thing that's good for you to read a book to a kid is because of the bonding it creates. You know, it gives you 10, 15 minutes to actually be with this child alone and, and create some time together, you know, where, where, where they feel that they've got someone there with them. You know, another reason that we all have to be reading books to these kids is because it supports all kinds of listening skills. Now, you and I know, now that we're a little bit older, that listening skills is the number one skill we can have because, because the better we listen, you know, the more we're going to learn and the more we can communicate. So, you know, reading books to kids creates these listening skills that they, they need to have while they're, you know, as, as they're growing up. Obviously, it's good for cognitive and language development. You know, when you're on the screens, you see words, you don't know how to explain them. But when you read a book, you can sit there and talk to these kids. What does this word mean? How does this relate? So it helps them develop that part of, you know, in their mind. And then, you know, the, the last thing is really is the attention span. Little kids bounce off the wall. They can be running around. But if you got them for 15 minutes reading a book, you can create an attention span that hopefully will, will help them throughout life. So I, I just urge all your listeners to think about putting books into their routine as they're raising their kids. And you, you said that one of the most valid and I hope one of the biggest aha things besides everything that you said was listening, that that's the most important thing in communicating and giving somebody a compelling reason. If you want to sell, because we're all selling something, whether it's you want to date with someone, you, you want to spend time with someone. So many people spend so much time not listening because they're already you know, ready for their rebuttal, ready to say their second sentence, ready to ha- have their attack plan in place on why this, why that. These are the reasons why you should listen to me or do the things that I want you to do. Instead of just sitting back, actually letting the other person speak. And wow, you're, you're actually connecting. And that person's going to be more willing to do whatever it is that you want to do or buy from you or or want to hang out with you because you're like, damn, this guy, this person, my dad, my friend, my lover, whomever is actually listens to me, actually wants to know about me instead of wanting to, to give their rebuttal and give their second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth statement ahead, ahead of the game. Yeah, and you bring up a great point because if there's anything that we get out of talking together today, you know, we need to realize that it's necessary to teach children how to think, not what to think. They'll, they'll learn that as they grow older. We need to teach them how to think. You know, and again, going back as we're talking long as we're talking about books, you know, why it's so important to, to when you're reading to books, how to start to get them to how to think. You know, when when they when they're ready for to read, and I would recommend. Obviously, I want people to buy my book. Talk about selling. I want to sell my book? I don't want to turn three, but there's a hundred other great kids books out there. And so, if you're sitting down with your child, you know, let them pick out. Everybody's got twenty books laying around their house, so have them have them pick out one of these books. Let's so they're, they're involved immediately in, in, in the decision on what you're going to talk about. And then before you read, you know, ask them, what do you think is going to happen in this book? Again, we have to teach them how to think. So, you know, what's going to happen in the book? Let them get, get them ready for that. And then during the book, you want to ask them, who are these characters in the book? And what is the setting? Can you relate to this? Has this ever happened to you? Again, wanting to keep them thinking through this whole reading process. Does anything in this book sound familiar to you? 
Okay, and that's that's what you want to ask them. Let them start to think about that. And then after you read the book, you know, much like you do when you when you have dinner at the end of the day, how was your day? You want to talk, ask them, what was your favorite part of this book and why? Because it's important for us to get these kids thinking. We've got to get them wanting to be involved. And reading is the easiest and fastest way to do it. And the earlier we can get to them, you know, the smarter they're going to be. Yeah, I, I agree. Just just simple that that simple aspect will lead a person at such an early age to become a leader, to actually to be able to think for themselves, to show initiative instead of just hanging back, waiting for life to happen, hanging back, waiting for someone to tell them when to do it, how to do it, why to do it, because critical thinking, uh, critical thinking is not in abundance these days. It's in scarcity. And a lot of times people are just waiting around for for an answer, waiting around for somebody to tell them how to make their life happen. Somebody to tell them, what's my next step? What shall I do? But it's like a muscle. But if an adult has been learning about or practicing and implementing how to actually think, how to decide, on their own at three, four, five, by the time they're 18, 19, 20, they're, they're going to be unstoppable. It's, it's actually not, not only on a personal level, but on a business level. I mean, it, it will help a person. It'll help our children. It'll help our loved ones get step ahead of so many people and so many of their competition in any aspect of life. You know, building on what, what you just said, if there's one question we should ask our children today, and I think this is a question we should ask them every single day, is what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Well, think about that. If you ask a child, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Well, you know, and my kids, they were fighting over dinosaurs, they were fighting over trucks, you know, and so in the book, that's what they were doing. but. What did you do today that was nice to someone else if they started to think about that? You know, the first time you say to a kid, they're not going to understand what you're talking about. But did you share your truck with your cousin? Did you help, you know, the dinosaurs, you know, with, 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 with all the other kids? You know, if you ask them that, and you ask them that every single day, you know, all of a sudden, over time, they're going to come back to you thinking, well, you know, I do want to give them an answer. So what am I going to do that's going to be nice to someone today? And if we could instill that in this latest generation, can you imagine how this country would be changed by the time they grow up? Not only that, but so many of us just ask the cliche when we talk to our kids, when we talk to our loved ones, instead of what did you do that was nice for someone, you're like the standard just like small talk any, with anybody. So how is your day? Because we really don't, a lot of times you really don't want to hear the answer. It's just something nice to say because clearly everybody's like, oh, fine. It, it, it's right. Even, even with our children, you know, it's, it's been ingrained with this because everybody's always, so how are you doing? Or how was your day? Because it's very rare that you hear a parent Say, so what did you learn today? Or what, what, what is it that you liked 
best about today because that that's critical thinking because no matter what you're going to have to be engaged and now you're going to have to reflect so what did i do today what did i do to move the needle was there anything special and here this is what i learned or oh my gosh i haven't learned anything today so can i did i really have a productive day now there's nothing more disengaging than so how was your day because we're all trained It, it, it could be the most amazing day or it could be like the 180 it could be like you know you're on the titanic or you're you're like part of like a stephen king novel for the day and you're still going to say oh it was fine now if you put that in perspective and knowing that again we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow so we have to live every day to the fullest so we need to share and communicate as much as we can and drag it out of other people too because you know each day We've got to live and live like it's our last day. I I do that. That's what, when people whoops, when people ask me how 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 am I doing? I and people always roll their eyes because I tell them I'm living the dream. I'm in paradise because it's it's the state of my mind. I I, I want to reflect positivity. What it, it's like when Zig Ziglar said he he would never hit the snooze button. He would just pop out of bed and say, I'm going to have an amazing day. I'm going to have an incredible day because your mindset's there. So I'm completely blessed. If somebody wants to know, am I living the dream? Yeah, I'm 48. I know so many people that didn't get the honor or the privilege to live to be 48. Or, you know, why am I not living in paradise? My grandparents are alive and healthy. My mom's alive and healthy. I've got two teenage daughters that might be a pain in the ass but you know they're they're thriving and there's just so much you know why why say oh say oh oh my gosh it's <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a, a horrific day or oh it's okay to me you know o- okay exactly it's like oklahoma it's just okay so if you had the opportunity to write the book i don't want to turn 50 what would you say I don't want to turn 50. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a year and a half from that. I'm on the fast track to, to 50. I remember I, I was hanging with a friend last year and they're like, you know, we're, we're, we're almost 50. Isn't that wild? And it was somebody that I, I grew up with and I knew since I was like eight, nine, I was like, holy smokes. To me, age is just a number. What, what, what would I do with that, with that book? How would I start it? I don't know because today's my birthday. I woke up today. I've, tomorrow's my birthday. If, if God, St. Peter, Jesus gives me tomorrow in the universe. And so I, I, I don't focus on age. I've done more in my life that I've done in my 40s than at my 30s. So the way I gauge my life is have I done a better Am I growing today? Did I have a better day? Did I become a better me? today than I was yesterday. Okay. Was that the political answer? I, I also hate, I, I also hate being almost 50 to be honest. <laughs> so, so how can we get the message that you just said out to everybody? But that's, that's the key, you know, your book and my book, the reason why it's, it's not huge seller is because like I'm talking about the millions upon the millions is because people are so disengaged. 
they want to live in fiction. Now, now, if 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 your book, yes, it's a, a children's book, and there's a very important lesson, but it's a lesson that hits people like a ton of bricks. It's reality. Let's do this. But instead, you wrote about a, a, a kid that 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 becomes a wizard that goes to wizard school, and you wrote five or six of these different books, or you 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 wrote just goofy stuff because. That's what sells. Michael Crichton sold with his, you know, Jurassic Park. Let's let's imagine going to Costa Rica to this amazing, beautiful, mythical island where, you know, we can't contain the dinosaurs or, you know, even the shows Fantasy Island, where it cost a million dollars a day. And this was like in 1970, whatever. I, I can only imagine inflation these days, probably 10 million dollars a day. But you see. Fantasy moves the needle. Fiction moves the needle. Every bookstore, bestseller. That's why your book, my book, any book, personal development, anything to do with all that has to be in a separate category because it would never be, you know, the, a bestseller compared to, to fiction. And, and you, you wrote a book because you wanted to leave your, your mark on children, not, o- not only on your your grandchildren that you considered your legacy, but you want to help create free thinkers and, and that you're, you're being in service. So you, you didn't write this book saying, I, I I'm going to be hanging out flying in private jets. I'm going to be at, at the, all the Barnes and Nobles signing book copies. I, I want to be the next Dr. Seuss. I want to be the next R.L. Stein, J.K. Rowling's. You did it because you want to create people that actually think and that are more engaged. Fiction, that's called being disengaged. So on that note, I guess it's time for me to tell you where to buy this book. Well, well, completely, yeah, for, for sure. Where where do we buy this book? And you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to ask you about your other book. But, but before I, I do that, I got to say, the number one thing that I tip my hat off to you is a book or any communication with little children is the hardest or children in general. So you can connect with them with this book. I, I mean, the, the, the hardest thing that I ever had to do was I, I had to speak um, at travel soccer on motivation or on adversity twice. I had to do it in front of my 14 and 16 year old daughters, but they were engaged, but it was still that, Oh my gosh, it's dad. Do we have to hear again? Exactly. But, but congratulations on, on being able to connect with, with children. Where, where do we get the book though? You can buy it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, about other hundred uh, sites on the internet. You can find it called I Don't Want to Turn Three. Or go to my site, gramsjeffrey.com. Or if any of your listeners want to talk about any of this stuff, please email me at gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. Now, is this it for children's books or do you see yourself? No, I've, uh, yeah, we're starting in I, I Don't Want to Turn Three. We're working on I Don't Want to Turn Four. Interestingly enough, my granddaughter, Olivia, just turned nine, and she came to me. She says, I got an idea for a book. I don't want to turn 10. 
I said, what's your idea? She said, you know, I'm nine years old. I got to start worrying about driving. I said, that's not, a, that's another seven years away. Why are you worrying about it now? And then she says, you know, and I got to start thinking about picking out a college. She says, I don't know where to go. I said, that's another nine years away. Why do you have to worry about it now? She says, well, I got lots of worries. So I don't know if I really want to turn 10. So that's why I think that, uh, you know, I don't want to turn 40. I don't want to turn 50. I think we all have issues as we're thinking about uh, you know, as we're getting older, that it makes a lot of sense. Well, I fear the, the number one basis on why I don't want to turn 52 is the, the prostate exam. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm 48 and a half, so I'm, I, I'm about eight, 18 months away from turning 50. And, and I, it, it's every, every day, you know, I, I, I hit 50 or I'm 49 and all that. I'll, I'll, I'll still get the, the double ARP stuff in the mail. Right. So, hey, you, you qualify, you qualify, you qualify. But it, literally, it, it it's just a number. It, you know, as, as long as, as your you you your thoughts is what creates your reality. So I I, I always think I'm I'm much younger than than forty eight. Yeah, I feel much younger too. So this is what I also wanted to talk to you because you pivoted. You also wrote a book for adults. Yeah, this is my children's book. Yeah, I don't want to turn three. And the uh, book that I wrote when I was in the business world is The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. And you know what? Well, yeah, that, that I love because for 20 years, I had to compete with Walmart being uh selling nutritional supplements and a, a lot of it you can't just match dollar for dollar discounting heavily when some you know the the world's number one buyer can easily buy a bunch you know buy it masses and you know when, when it, it comes to cost of goods or when, when it comes to profit margin a grocery store or a big big box retailer like walmart you know you you, you don't have to Go go big on margins. Yeah, what's interesting about Walmart, and the reason I wrote the book is I, I started a couple of companies. One of the companies I started came the premier business-to-business site on the internet where we sell in case quantities small businesses all around the world. And our customer base were the moms and the pops who are surviving, thriving as the chains. So I was getting calls uh, every week saying, how do I do this and what do I do that? You know, so this uh, this book is a 15-chapter book on how to actually open a business. So it talks about how one chapter talks about hiring people, what you need to look for, another one about location, another one about products, where to buy products, how to another one about selling, both on the internet and also uh, in the real world. So that was how this book came about. But you you, you talk about Walmart. Yeah, what's what's interesting about the history of Walmart is really it's a, the history of the United States in that, you know, during the 80s, the 70s and 80s, there were thousands of manufacturers here in the U.S. that said, wow, I'll sell into Walmart. I'll make a lot of money. So all of a sudden, 50% of their business was going into Walmart and 50% someplace else. Well, as you well know, Walmart decided can knock these goods off and make them cheaper. So they were taking all these goods overseas and they were making them less expensive. So this country is littered with thousands of manufacturers that have gone out of business because they put all their eggs in the basket to sell them to Walmart and Walmart went and, and bought goods overseas, knocking off their products. So 
that's an interesting story in itself. But you're right. The, the key is you've got to have a niche. Now, you you had a great niche, you know, the, the, the supplements and so forth. Those That's a fabulous niche that a lot of people don't spend a lot of time thinking. And so that's one of the ways that you can continue to survive. Now, in today's world, if you think about it, retailing today is so much different than a, 10 years ago. It is now internet driven. You know, if you are a retailer, you have got to be on the internet. You've got to be able to sell goods because if you picture, if you're, if you live in a small town, you know, if you just have a retail store, your market is the people live in that town. But if you can expand with your products and sell them worldwide, you've got to go. You've got to be on the internet. So my advice to any small business person today is make sure you have a major internet presence and you spend a lot of time and money to make it work. So I'm I'm sure you're like me. You don't believe brick and mortar is dead. That it, it's it's either Walmart or just buy everything on Amazon. You know, in in America today, there's 30 million small businesses. There's like 250,000 large businesses. Those with uh, like a Walmart and so forth. So you know, the backbone of America are these 30 million small businesses. And I still believe that, that they will survive and grow with a mixture of brick and mortar and internet, but you've got to be on the internet too. You can't just be a brick and mortar store today. And you all have to, to me, you, you have to pivot. You have to not only find raving fans, unless you're like in a small town, but you have to provide either not only, well, excellent customer service. And you also have to just be different, be unique, give people a compelling reason to go to you. I, the way I thrived is 20 years, I, I was a Smoothie King franchisee. The past 10 years or so, was I was using social media. I was banging away on spots, 15-second spots, 30-second spots, one-minute spots. And it wasn't always, hey, come to me. That's the one thing the plumber, they don't understand. If you give them a compelling reason and you humanize your story. The re- everybody knows the car dealer and all that, the wacky, goofy old guy. That's because that's the persona that he wants you to have so that you can remember him because the other competitors aren't doing that. If you give them, if you show them, hey, this is who I am, this is my family, these are my kids, come here, I'm funny, I'm unique, I'm not here just to buy, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. And, and that's what a lot of people... And, and and the people that my my clients that's that's the first thing that I tell them is do that market yourself your competitor whether it's a franchise whether it's a mom and pop plumber AC guy roof guy be different be unique be be you don't have to be the best you don't have to be certainly please don't be the cheapest don't you don't discount yourself like that but be the most compelling be the most that people at the end of the day go hey you know what i love that ac guy because I've, I've seen his spots i've seen this i've seen that we hit on what is really the key and that's social media today we weren't even talking social media 15 years ago that is really the way social media works, you can really target in the kind of customer that you want. And what's interesting about social media, even baby boomers love social media. They're involved into it. So you're, this is every generation now today 
is relying on social media and it's very targeted. So you're absolutely right. That's it's got to be part of your mix. Well, I, I tell people this is the renaissance. I was a business owner for the first 20, yeah, you know, 20 years, but there was no social media. There was no marketing. What I had to do was pay for the print ad or, or the Val pack and the clipper and go, oh my gosh, 1% return. If I'm lucky, maybe if I get a 3% return, I'm going to be like the guy with the monocle and monopoly just spending money because I've got that 3% return. Or, oh my gosh, if I print coupons and I leave them here, or if I leave them there, or guerrilla marketing, or I had to get in a suit in a Smoothie King costume. There's pictures and people laugh about it whenever they think about it. I would have either be in a cup dancing around, sweating my my everything off or the directional sign doing anything. And, and I'm like, you're complaining. That's what I had to do. People want to complain. If I wanted to find a left-handed guy that's 48 that went to LSU and that, that has a degree in journalism w- with social media, you can target market to that guy. Yeah. I'll, I'll market it towards myself, but that's it. But what happens though is a lot of people they don't understand everything's on a consistent basis. Well, I, I did a social media, I did a Facebook ad for one day and I spent three dollars and it didn't work. Well, did you do it on a consistent basis? No, because it doesn't work. And it's like, well, did you tell your wife that you loved her one time and when you said I do and then you quit doing it and you you quit showing up or Oh, I, I tried to lose weight and I went to the gym on January 1st. It was busy. I worked out and I decided not to do it again because I didn't look like a young Arnold Schwarzenegger. But that's, you know, that that's, I, I, you hear that a lot though. Like social, it, this doesn't work or that doesn't work. Yeah, because you didn't put in the time, effort. So if I had to open up another brick and mortar, I I know I could condense time in the sense that, you know that that was a lot of a, a lot of guerrilla marketing. That was a lot of money being resources, money, and time flushed down the toilet with random ads and, and print. Now, I basically the crazy thing is they're still out there. These magazines, usually, what people do is they open it to their they open their mailbox, they grab it, and they go straight towards either their trash or the recyclable bin. But people still advertise in that. What I do is. Because I'm a dinosaur. I don't use coupons, but I want to see what moron is spending their hard-earned money on a $700 on a $1,000 print ad or more $2,000 these days compared to just blowing it out with social media market. Well, you know, COVID really accelerated this growth in social media because you couldn't go to the stores anyway. So it really jump-started this whole push towards it, and it's just going to continue to accelerate. Exactly. But to me, it's just like Darwinism and any the fittest survival. COVID, Corona, it, it didn't cause businesses to go bankrupt. It didn't cause people to go gain 30 pounds. It, it didn't cause divorce rates to spike. All it did was it amplified it. If you're having a horrible relationship, it sped up the process. If if you, you had a problem in your business that you were you cash flowed in the in the negative and weren't cash flowing positive, well, it, it sped things up. But if 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 it was so bad for business, why is there businesses that are thriving? Why are there new millionaires? Why is there 
corporations publicly traded that are hitting record numbers. It's because they pivoted. They didn't sit down watching the Tiger King for three months and Ozark season three. It's amazing that we're, we're on to Ozark season four. I never thought we'd, we'd still be doing this for two years, but there's, there's those that take action and those that say, Hey, you know what? I'll sit down. I'll relax. I'll wait for a government stimulus or I'll wait for this thing to end. Cause uh, this has been the longest 15 days of my life with this lockdown or with Corona. You know, it all ties back to what we started talking about. How do we bring up this greatest generation to become the next, the best entrepreneurs that we've ever had? And it goes back to we've all got to get involved. It takes a village. It really takes a village to raise kids. You know, and whether you're a single dad, you got to rely on your cousins and your aunts and uncles. You know, it takes a village. And that's that's why, you know, we want to circle back to how this whole conversation started. That's why we all want to get involved with raising these kids, because we want them to go beyond what we've done and to, to take this country to a next level. Well, the choice is us. You know, I we're either growing or, or we're dying. Nothing's static. But it, it, we have to decide and then we have to stay committed. And I, I choose I, I choose to be in my children's lives. I I'm a, a very active parent for teenagers, which you know, I'm not trying to be their buddy. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm the cheesy old guy, I guess, at times with my 14 and 16 year old. So, but, but every, every day people get that choice. Every day people get that opportunity tomorrow, you know, let's say status quo today and yesterday. Well, it's going to be in the past. The, the choice, the choice is yours. The choice is ours. The choice is everybody. I, I, that's, I, I love the simple fact that, and, and I, I, I remember reading children's book left and right. And, and most of them have, have, uh, it, usually it's just for entertainment. There's, there's no, there's no lessons to be learned. And I know people are going to be like, well, what, what about Dr. Seuss? What about this? What about that? I, if, if, if these books were so stimulating, you, you wouldn't have to write a book on how to think for yourself. Great. All right. I'm good. (laughs) So, but besides your book, well, your books, because you're going to have, you're going to have a build an empire with soon. I'll be the first one to buy your book. Uh, you know, don't, uh, the fifty-year-old book, because you know I'm 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 at the target. What w- what else? What else is it? Are just spending time with your your grandkids and your children, or in your family? Or do you have other opportunities? Do you coach? Do you coach kids? Do you talk to kids? Elementary, Zooms, anything like that? Yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of uh, writing for articles, especially for baby boomers, on how to get them more. You know, I've written over a hundred articles for the Huffington Post, all kinds of uh, subjects like small businesses and entrepreneurship, along with all kinds of nonprofit things such as the elderly and the homeless. And this was all done because as we were building our online business, selling it to a brick and mortar mom and pops so that they could survive and thrive against the 
nonprofit organizations found us because we were selling at wholesale and closeout prices that gave them a chance to buy more goods to stretch their dollars. So I got involved in the nonprofit world. So I'm really, in fact, you know, the way the book ends is the kids give all of their toys to the homeless down. And that, that actually happened because my granddaughter came up with that idea, but you know that's what it's all based on. Is you know that as we get older and we get wider, you know we got to make sure that we are take care of those less fortunate. What I find the most impressive is while most boomers are kicking back, relaxing, saying, "Hey, it's a t- let let's move down to Naples, let's move down to Miami, let's move down to Scottsdale." let's just call it a day and live, live out the rest of our years. You're actually growing. You're actually thriving. You're, you're probably doing more now than what you were doing 10, 15, 20 years ago, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, as we grow older, hopefully we grow wiser. <laughs> as we get wiser, we realize that it is our job to help others. And I, I just hope that more boomers start thinking that way. Yeah, it, it it all starts with one, and and you're you're clearly not at with Gen Z and, and and younger people out there that this internal fighting that everybody's okay, boomer, and and then all <laughs> these kids to shut up. <laughs> well, you know what I I, I gotta say, uh, it was a pleasure, and this goes to show you that marketing by any means works you you found me through linkedin you there's there's so many different ways i've I've found guests myself through well first of all never through linkedin but through instagram through facebook there's you know people have options when it comes to social media you can use it as a tool to either grow your business to grow expand your mind expand your vision expand your imagination or you can use it to Post political crap. You, you you can cyberstalk your ex. You can you can be pro vaccine, anti vaccine. You 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 can spew your your hate towards your 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 personal life on it. But the choice is always there, and you and I, our choice is always to grow, to expand, to find ways. To communicate, to find ways to show and tell other people, "Hey, this is who I am. It's and this is what I've got to offer." I, I gotta tell you, Gramps, it's it's just weird saying that since I know you're real there. It, it it's it, the pleasure was all mine having you, and, and thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for for finding me. I know we we're supposed to do this tomorrow, but you found time to do it today. So I, I greatly appreciate it. I will buy, buy your book just because it's compelling. Hopefully I don't have any grandkids soon since they're 16 and 14, but it, I'll keep it around. I, I remember being recently married and an LSU, South Florida, Miami alumni, uh, Crawfish Boyle. And there was a children's book and I wanted Rohan. He was a SEC quarterback, grew up here in Miami to sign the book, we didn't have kids. He signed it in about like 10 months later that I had my firstborn. So mm-hmm. not, not that I'm saying I'm, I'm predicting <laughs> in 16 months or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll have a grandkid. 
but I'll, I'll definitely keep it. And when this episode airs, I'm in about four, five, six weeks. I I, I love I'd love to interview people. So I don't want you to think that you know we this won't air. It's just that I I'm not a procrastinator. I'm a person that loves to work. So when your your book airs, I'll, I'll make sure to plug away on social media, on LinkedIn, on everything. And I deeply thank you. And I appreciate what you're doing to try to make society a better place. Thanks. I really enjoyed this. All right. Thanks. So, thanks to Mel Gramps. Love you. You got it. Take care. Bye-bye. What if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.